0: Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So here we are. We are back in Advent. So for those of you who aren't totally familiar with the lectionary or liturgical calendar of the church, today is actually the first day of the new year. So happy church calendar new year to you. (laughs) This is Advent, is the season of waiting. One of the reasons I love um, following the church calendar is because these are seasons of the year that have been recognized for centuries. And they are seasons that represent universally applicable experiences, particularly in Advent. We all know what it is to wait, to feel so completely out of control to not know the next step, the right answer. And then these words that go along with Advent, hope, peace, joy, love. We associate endless things with each of these words. And this week being hope, I had various phrases from TV shows and movies and songs and just regular culture pop in my head throughout my time preparing this sermon. The word hope carries some baggage with it, especially in the way many people understand it. To be hopeful is to be naive. It is to be childish. It's to be inexperienced in life. It's to be blissfully optimistic. But I do instead believe that hope is so much more than that. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags." we all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away no one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins yet you Lord are our father we are the clay you are the potter we are all the work of your hand. do not be angry beyond measure Lord do not remember our sins forever oh look on us we pray for we are all your people. So one commentary put it like this when talking about this um, passage of scripture. Hope is what is left when your worst fears have been realized and you are no longer optimistic about the future. Hope is what comes with a broken heart willing to be mended. Now, even after years of seminary training and learning to read the Bible in a totally new way over the past several years of my life, I still find it very hard to approach the First Testament or the Old Testament. This comes from mostly the experience of how I was often taught to read it, or how it was often preached to me, or how I was told that we just deserve bad things because we're human and we're sinful. But... (laughs) Over time, I have also come to approach the First Testament in this way. What if instead, we just see how we can relate to the authors of these books? Like this prophet, how he's just trying to wrap his mind around all that he sees in the world. These people who are painfully lamenting, these people crying out to God, these people desperately wishing they could have all of the answers. So this is what we see in the prophet Isaiah in this writing too. He's just trying to make sense of the world around him. And the book of Isaiah is known for deep lament and deep confusion. To get in the weeds for just a second, scholars are very divided on the time period of when different parts of Isaiah were written. Some would say, however, that this part, Isaiah 40 through 66, that our passage of scripture is embedded in today, was written in a time when the Israelites are on their way into a new and promising place. They have been in Babylonian captivity for a long, long time, away from all they've known, forced to make a home in a new place, And now, there's finally this spark of promise of being free after the fall of the Babylonian Empire. And yet, in this passage, Isaiah is still filled with lament, with trauma, with confusion, still willing to plea with God, to cry out for some sign of something good. Because even when things start to get better, that doesn't make all of the pain of what was go away. This poem is labeled as a prayer of penitence. So these penitential laments confess sins out loud in order to begin the work of healing and relational repair. This one, however, differs from the Psalms that are under the category of penitence in two respects. It lacks the confident assurance of God's forgiveness and salvation. And it also casts part of the blame on God. So that's a representation in the prophets that we have all probably needed sometimes. For these past several months, I personally have really needed this representation in the prophets. I have been a weird soup of every emotion. On one hand, I have been overjoyed with getting married in May, and I saw moving to a new city here in Houston as a great adventure of what was to come. But on the other hand, when I moved here, I had no idea what I was going to do workwise, and I was also terrified of moving to a new city. On any given day this summer, I could look at my feelings wheel. I don't know if you've ever looked at a feelings wheel, but I highly recommend doing that. And I could point out something in every category. (laughs) I was happy setting up our house with all our fun gifts from our wedding. And I was also lonely in a new city with only a few friends. I was hopeful of all that was to come in the new adventure of marriage. And I was also experiencing some despair of, what if all the school that I've been to and work I've done to build toward a meaningful career Has been for nothing. We all contain multitudes. And it's not selfish to feel everything at once, to take the time to name all of those emotions, because being honest about the hard things does not subtract from the good. I simply had to very intentionally say frequently, this is hard. I personally am not very good at releasing control, not very good at allowing myself to feel every emotion, but with practice, the hope became that much more real. The surface positivity falls away and it makes room for the true gritty hope that we actually need in this world. And all of this work was never meant to be done on my own. While there are choices that I must make for myself, that you must make for yourself, I also know that the only way change can truly happen is in community. It is through this systemic change that comes when we come together. Individualism actually destroys our hope. It isolates us, It makes us feel alone. It keeps us from believing the best about each other. It keeps us from reaching out and asking for help. It makes us desperate and confused and alone inside the tower of our own minds. But we are not called to that individualism, even if it is the water we swim in in our society. We are called to be together to be reminded of all of us, that each of us impacts the other. It has to be foundational to our lives that we are all interconnected. From a drop of water to the most powerful person in the world. But because individualism is all we know, sometimes it feels a lot easier to just be alone to take an easy way out of all of this mess we see around us, all the pain, all the injustice. Sometimes it feels so much easier to just say, burn it all down. (laughs) I have said that many times, actually, about the patriarchy and many other systems that I see in our world. But (laughs) in reality, what is really meaningful and possible is to hold on to hope and work to make things better. Because trying to fix what is broken is hard, and hope is hard. We've probably all had moments like Isaiah where we just cry out and say, God, where are you? Oh, that you would just break open the heavens and come down and fix all of this. But the hard and good thing is found in the unity of the people especially the marginalized, the poor, the oppressed, that create change. Life is so beautiful. Life is so hard. Kate Bowler says, Hope requires a whole lot of courage. If we were certain we could control the outcome, we wouldn't need to hope at all. Hope is not made out of certainty. It is made out of necessity. Hope is what gives you a way to go on, even if you're not going to get relief from ordinary or extraordinary pain, even when your loved one has died, even if your partner does not come back, even if you don't get to see the culmination of your own dreams. People who are hopeful know all about fear. Hope is seeing reality and having the courage to keep going, to keep moving, to keep loving, and to keep hoping. So hope is never about the either or. Hope has always been and will always be about the both and. Because did you catch that from Kate? That people who are hopeful know all about fear. They know all about pain. They know all about grief. But the hope comes in the reminder that we are not alone in that pain, in that fear, in that grief. While some would say that hoping is weakness, instead I say hope and courage go hand in hand. It takes courage to name the hard things. It takes courage to not give up. It takes courage to resist the pull of individualism. And all of this leads, to, leads us to see how we have each other. That we are not in control of everything, but we do have agency and control over some small things. So the work of hope looks like taking the next right step. No matter how small, and even if you're shaking while you do it. Jan Richardson is a minister, artist, poet, and author who lost her husband and expressed her grief through her work. She actually actually does her own Advent art and writing that is beautiful every year. And some of the things she talks about is how some days, especially in the throes of that grief after losing her husband. All she could do was take 15 minutes at a time, and maybe even less, whatever it took to just keep going. Maybe it takes one tiny decision, just set one goal, check it off, and celebrate it when you do it because not just spiritually, emotionally, but truly physically and biologically, your brain is probably struggling when you are in the throes of grief and trauma and pain. If you're a little bit of a nerd like me, and even if you're not, I hope this might help. When you're in stress or grief, it is simply hard to make decisions to take the next step. Have you ever heard of the term flipping your lid? Yes? No? Okay. So this actually correlates with brain science when you're scared. The thumb represents your amygdala, which is responsible for fear and expressing your emotions. And whenever it's triggered, that's when your fight, flight, freeze, fawn response is activated. So then your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, Um, which is responsible for helping you make decisions, for empathizing with others, for paying attention, it opens up when you are in stress or fear. So whenever you are in all of that stress or fear, it completely makes sense that it is hard to make decisions to take the next step. It's just a physiological thing that you are experiencing. So be gentle with yourself in those moments. Now, how do you get back in control in that moment? It's certainly not by avoiding or suppressing those emotions, though I've tried very hard to do that throughout my life. Instead, you can take a walk. You can drink water. You can talk to someone you trust. You can read. You can count to 10. You can listen to music. All of this and more means that you can recognize that things are hard, and you can give yourself permission to rest. And when you're gentle enough with yourself to do the work, to let your brain heal, the light catches fire once more. Hope comes back. It was always there. Even in the stress and trauma and grief, even if it dwindled to a tiny, tiny spark. It doesn't leave us. It will grow again in a new season to be a flame. The cliche that seems so cliche comes true once more. Hope springs eternal. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're in the throes of grief and pain and trauma or you could probably relate from something in your past. I invite you to lean into the courage of having stubborn, stubborn hope that sometimes takes over even without us choosing it. Your ability to dream of what's to come and the gift of your imagination will wake up again. Gather, this is my prayer for us today. May we take stock of what is hard, what causes us to fear all the pain and grief, and let us hope too. Let us know that we are not in control, and rather than letting that cause us to spiral, let us rest in hope that we have enough, there is always enough to go around for others too. That we are not alone. And that the God we know is always within us, among us, and causing hope to take on a life of its own. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.